welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We are recording live from outside Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devin. I am joined by the king of the Irish goodbye, Mr. Shane Reeves. Thank you very much. I, I did almost successfully pull that off at the wedding. Hey, well, it only counts for the host of the party. So you okay. can say goodbye to other guests, or they can catch you leaving, and it still counts as an Irish goodbye, because I looked up, and you were gone. So you never you never knew the moment I left. I never knew the moment you left. Then because, my mission is accomplished. Because I, I saw you hang around for a few moments after the ceremony. Right. And, and I so I was like, for a whole cigar. And so I was like, oh, they must have decided to hang out, because we had a plate for you. And then I look around about halfway through dinner service, and I went, oh. He he did slip out. All right. Well, good on him. <laughs> well, it worked out really well, aside from the fact that, you know, we had one member of our party who made it his mission to catch me leaving. So apparently next time I do something like that, I'm going to have to bring a rag and chloroform and chloroform the Marine <laughs> before I make my escape. I think that's still a federal offense. <laughs> is it still a federal? He's a lawyer, too. Once a Marine, always a Marine. Does yeah. that help? Is that? Yeah. But, uh, well, he'd be a handful. He'd be a handful. He would, I'd have he to would catch be him. indeed. I'd have to catch him all, out of, off guard. And uh, maybe maybe my pygmy. This is the time that my pygmy with the curare darts could be really handy. Yeah, I could just curare because I I won't. I need pygmies to follow me around with curare darts for like kids in restaurants and things like that. Of course, and all obnoxious people at the cigar lounge, all all that stuff. I could I could keep a full time pygmy employed. Oh, absolutely. And all, but anyway, let's smoke a cigar. All right, let's do it. So I brought you something special because I'm this kind of guy. Well, I appreciate that. As I was partaking of the Irish goodbye the other night, I said, you know what, my dear friend Trey, hang on a second, I got to talk about something <laughs> real quick. Talk about how, how nice your wedding was. Well, yeah, it was, you know, it took us about three extra months, four extra months to finally get it off the ground, but we, we finally were able to make the, the wedding ceremony happen. Well, you were buzzing around like a chicken with his head cut off, and Austin had brought a box of these. Oh. So as I was making my escape, I stole one to bring to you this week to enjoy with our listeners to celebrate your wedding. I, I appreciate the absolute heck out of this. Uh, I, was able to, I was able to steal one away myself which I was actually going to smoke on the show tonight when I walk, you saw me walk in with a cigar in my hand. Uh, but now I get to sit on that and I get to smoke it on August 1st of 21. Right. You so, get to sit on it for a year get to, and smoke it at your leisure. Yeah. And so I'll smoke it on the anniversary since it's one from the exact box. But I, I appreciate the heck out of that. Well, I, I just, as I was leaving, I said, you know what, that would, he's not going to get to give this cigar. The, and by the way, anybody out there, let me tell you something. Go to Crown Cigars and Ales Facebook page and call Austin and order a box of something. Just do us a solid. He was he has been the example by which all other cigar owners should be held to throughout your whole engagement and marriage. Not only that, through the whole time that he has owned this shop, he has taken a level of care and dignity with his regulars. I mean, there's a reason with 30 different cigar shops in the Nashville area that we choose to record at this one, you know? Yeah, and there's some great shops. Don't get us wrong. Absolutely. I think I'm actually going to talk about one here in a minute when you get that cigar lift. But between the the bachelor party and, you know, I came in here, I was here uh, Friday, 
And I, and I thought, well, you know, I texted you about cigars for the event because mm-hmm. I didn't want you to have to buy cigars for your own wedding. And I, and I came in here to purchase some if, yeah. if needed. And he said, no, I got you. So everybody out there, call Austin and buy a box of something. Absolutely. Just no, show him, absolutely. And tell him the cigar cast sent you. Show him your, that this is your appreciation. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I, I mean, so this is a 1964 anniversary series Padron Exclusivo. That's right. Maduro. It looks like. Yep, that's the Maduro wrapper, and they were excellent, as I recall. They I smoked were. one. They were. I had. I had one, but like you said, I did not get to enjoy it. I knew that was going to be my moment before the ceremony with you guys was going to be my moment to smoke a cigar that night. Right, and we and we all kind of enjoyed them and partook of it, and it was a great. It was a great event. A lot of fun. It was fun. You know, you you see cigars at weddings a lot. And typically it's someone like me who brings their cigar and they says, okay, I've had my fun and I go outside right? because you don't want to leave early and be rude, but I don't really care anymore. So I go outside. I kind of, it's my version of the Irish goodbye. I sure. just go find a spot to smoke a cigar. It was really nice to have a true core group of cigar people there that actually that, that back porch that they put us on was great, kept us out of the rain, but also like it got a workout. Oh yeah, and I loved seeing that. Even it, some of my friends who don't usually smoke cigars like we do, but do in, occasionally enjoy cigar, were out there. At well, one they point. got to come hang out with the cool kids. That's right. <laughs> it was really what it felt like: is hey, who's going to come out and hang with the reprobates? It was so <laughs> funny too because so the, those people were um, some guys from my um, small group with the church. And so they all came with their wives, and they're all in their, like, mid-20s. So they're considerably younger than we are. And they were the perfect example of why you always invite 20-somethings to your wedding. They, they were up on the dance floor the whole time. All the uncles and cousins and old people were just sitting around talking. They were up on the dance floor. They were smoking cigars. They were doing it right. And it was just fun to walk, look around and go, okay, someone's enjoying this. Well, that's what you want. You, you've got to have a good blend. It can't just be all solemn old people saying, you know, congratulations, we're so proud of you and all that, which that part's nice. Don't get me wrong. That part's nice. I do regret that I didn't take time to meet your father, but you were buzzing around, and I didn't. I couldn't just pick him out. I'd have had to flag down your brother-in-law and say, "Hey, introduce me to Trey's father." Right. But the time the time will be right at some point. It I believe will. everything it has its time. So I'm going to smoke a cigar I've never smoked before. This is a El Baracho Maduro Puro Finos. You said El Baracho stands for the drunk. The drunk. So these were released at the 2018 ICPCR um, trade show. And I didn't realize they've been out that long. Yep, and they are from the name the Dapper, Dapper. cigars. And uh, it is a um, the wrapper is a Connecticut broadleaf. The binder's Nicaraguan and the fillers Nicaraguan. And all, uh, but it is a Maduro cigar. I've got to tell you, so I have had one of these. I picked this up at Big Boy Cigars. Uh, Fairly recently, speaking of, you know, great cigar shops in the area. And, you know, he cautioned me on it. He goes, yes, it's a Maduro. Yes, it's a Nicaraguan. But it's not going to pack a punch like you think. It's pretty mild. It makes actually a good breakfast cigar. And I was like, okay, we'll see about that. It packs a ton of flavor. It looks like it's going to be in the medium full to full range. And... It doesn't kick you in the teeth. It's smooth. 
It's it's really enjoyable. It, tons of flavor. I I if I recall correctly, it was lots of that front of the tongue flavor, um, that kind of savory, salty, spice kind of thing. Yeah, I'm getting um, Cubanesque. Very Cubanesque. That's, that's the word that comes to mind. Is it very? It tastes very much like the Cuban tradition of cigar rolling. But tons of flavor. Yeah, but a little better tobacco. Uh-huh. You know, if Cubans rolled Nicaraguan cigars. We call them padrones, but it would be, right. um, but it kind of has that. So I'm, I've just lit it up on my first draw, and I did a little retro hell because it is that mild, and, uh, and it's going to be interesting. I'm interesting to see how this matures and blossoms on my palate. I, th- I think you're going to really enjoy it. Now, this is one of the rare occasions where I actually happen to be smoking on a virgin palate today. Are you coming in the same, or have you had one today? I had one. I had my morning cigar this okay. morning. That's been a long enough ago that it yeah. probably... Yeah, it, it, it probably reinstalled. It grew back. But anyway, so big news in the industry. Let's kick yeah. it off right off the bat. Nat Sherman shutting down cigar business and retail store next month. After 90 years in business. After 90 years in business. And, you know, and that's the first thing everybody goes to is, oh, it's a 90-year-old company that we're losing. Eh, that's not that big a deal to me. Well, you know... <sighs> I understand that. I, I really do. I understand your point of like, of the fact that just because you know my grandpa's ninety two, who cares? You know what I mean? It, ninety also. And when it's a person, we th- say, "Oh, that's funny. Had a good run. Had yeah, a good run. Had a good, had a good run." But when it's a business, we've got this like this weird sort of idea that once you get over fifty years in business, that there's some obligation to keep you in business. And I, I agree with you. That's not necessarily. But I will say, as a as a fan of the history of cigars, you know, as as someone who nerds out, well, I'm just a fan of history in general. As you make fun of all the time when you hear about the latest movie I watch. You know, I, I, I do understand that, you know, this is, it was started in 1930, and, and, and so the, the, the world that Nat Sherman came into existence in is gone. It does not exist anymore, and it's never coming back. So I, I do understand taking a look at being like, okay, this is a 90-year-old company. This is from a different era. This is something that I definitely feel it's worth celebrating. Yes, they pissed you off a couple of years ago but you mean when they stabbed the cigar industry in the back yes and so i something that and i and i don't have any issue with how much issue you took with that it's not as big a deal to me and so i just i don't know i definitely think it's worth celebrating them they had a great run they had some great cigars Business practices were probably not the best, obviously. Uh, they are going to keep their cigar or their cigarette line I- intact. Altria is going to keep the cigarette line going, which I find interesting considering that was really where the rubber met the road on the controversy from a couple of years ago. Well, here's the thing. Nat Sherman died when they sold it to Altria. It just became a name. Yeah. I mean, realistically... The tradition of Nat Sherman died in 2007 when they sold it to Altria. It was 17. May have been 17. Ended with a 7. It was 17. It was 17. So, and then when they came out against the premium cigar exemption, they pretty much had made their statement. Yeah. 
you know, um, Jeff Borowitz had an article on Facebook that he had actually spoken to them about purchasing Nat Sherman, and they never could come to an arrangement at yeah. all. Because Altria had it for sale, but it's like they never really wanted to sell it. Yeah, it looks like uh, about a year ago or a year and a half ago, so very shortly after they bought it, I guess they realized it wasn't a piece of the business that they wanted to be in. They put it up for sale. I didn't realize that Borowitz was part of that. Uh, but, yeah, I feel like I feel like probably what happened is they didn't realize, you know, this is a company that got into the game probably not knowing what they were getting into, and then they sabotaged themselves by coming out against the cigar exemption in a in an industry that is 100% relationship-based, and they didn't get that. They didn't understand it. So they devalued their own product and couldn't imagine why no one was taking a full-price offer. Right. Well, and also, I imagine they, you know, the retail store in downtown New York is a big portion of this, and they probably seen how the winds were blowing toward the retail end being shut down in New York. Yeah. And that I'm I'm sure, you know, there would probably have been a a legacy piece to that store in any type of of legislation that was coming down the line being more severe than what was already in place because it's already a pretty un um welcoming place for a cigar smoker in New yeah. York is. Yeah, definitely. So I'm I can understand it um I'm sad to see a brand go, but to me, they left when they came out against premium cigars. Yeah. Well, when they deserted their their followers, they lost me. You're seeing this being about fifty percent suicide. Uh, probably oh. closer to eighty. Okay. Probably closer to eighty because you know our local rep he quit and went to work for somebody else the day they did that because he's seen which way the wind was blowing and you know they're all oh, all these people are out of work now. Well, you kind of had to see the writing on the wall. And ac- according to, um, Her- is it Herklotz that owns this? Um, according to the owner of, Na- yeah, it's it's Herklotz, said that there would be a, a soft landing for everybody who's currently employed who's going to be laid off in terms of severage, severance. I, I, I think... Probably what is what has happened here is that it looks to me like they're going to liquidate all of their existing stock, and and use that to kind of pay out the remainder and probably get out of this without having to, because they don't mention bankruptcy here anywhere. No, they don't mention bankruptcy in any of the articles I read. So okay, um, it it to me just feels like the natural order of things. What happens happens. Yeah, it's like. Uh, it's like in the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie when we get introduced to Jack Sparrow and he keeps climbing up on this ship and it's sinking and it's sinking and as it gets into the dock, he just steps off on level ground. On Right. The, that's basically what's happening here. That is. It's kind of gone out and that's over. And uh, let's talk about something else. All right. <laughs> and uh, that wasn't near as contentious as I thought it would be. But I, I toned myself down. Um, CAO Bones is coming to market next week. So by next week, they're talking about the first couple of weeks in August. I really hope that I'm not about to put my foot in my mouth uh, with people that we know at General Cigar and CAO. Um, Y'all need a new media guy, a marketing guy. Bones is about kicking back with your friends with a cold beer in your hand, playing a game, smoking, grilling, talking a little trash, and having the time of your life. Come that is, I I had to force myself not to say that with a southern twang because well, it's about grilling, killing, and 
Well, but that's Rick Rodriguez. You know, and he's just that guy. You know, I actually got to talk to him down at the Tampa thing, and he is that guy. I know he is. It sounds perfectly natural if you hear it coming out of his mouth. I just think to call it bones and, you know, it's part of it, there is a rich tradition. Now, I'm, all right, I'm auditioning for the job that I think needs to be vacant, apparently. Uh, Uh, Mr. (laughs) Dedman, we've called you in here. This is me and the board. There is a the Bones is a great name. Bones is an absolutely great name because Dominoes and cigars are intrinsically tied together. They have a long history going back to Cuba. Um, but at cigar shops all over the country and all over the world, you will see guys sitting at a table throwing bones while enjoying a cigar. To take a name like that and to not use any domino in imagery, not any kind, not to not play on that <laughs> colloquialism. The photo has a pair of dice, <laughs> not even a domino. So making yeah. your point as to why this guy should be looking for new employment. Yeah, uh, it just you know, I mean, it's a huge missed opportunity, and. Yeah, I just think, now, that being said, medium to full-body Connecticut broadleaf wrapper, you know that I'm going to be a fan of that, no matter what they put under it. Filler combination of Nicaraguan, Dominican, um, Honduran leaf from two different regions, Hamastron and La Entrada. I'll try it. This seems like this is going to be a really good $10 stick. That's what I'm hoping. That's seven forty nine to eight ninety nine a stick. Yeah, they're suggesting that, and by the time, by it, time gets, it hits your shelf, yeah, it'll be, it'd be 10, ten bucks. But it seems you know the CAO Zocala for some reason has never taken off as good as that cigar deserves. Right. For as good as that cigar is, it does not get near the regard that it should. The Pallone's the same way. Uh, I can I can I can understand how a palate could not be appealing to the Pallone. I can too, but it's also six dollars. On a retail shelf. Yeah, but just, you know, we do have to consider cost, but you don't have to consider cost in, to an inferior cigar. All. No, I, but I don't think it's an inferior cigar. I think it's definitely inferior to the Zocala. I'd have to have another Zocala. I definitely think it is. I this, remember liking them about the same, but for different reasons. This feels like it's going to be just a little stronger than the Zocala, a little softer than the MX2. Okay. It, they, they might as well have just scratched MX2 off of this label and just written bones in and crayon. It's such a direct lift. <laughs> don't, don't be silly. We take the label off. We can afford <laughs> to print labels in this company. <laughs> well, but I'm just saying it's the exact same label. It does have the same shape, size, but... And color. Pretty exciting. I like it. I like new releases. I like CAO. They've done some good stuff. I nearly picked up a... a uh... Shoot, I lost it. Quality broadcasting at its yeah, finest. Yeah, I've, I've never... Oh, uh, yeah, I got So, it. I'm going to save the 2020 cigar retail survey till the second half of the show. All right. I want to talk to you about something real quick. By all I means. need your expertise. So, we've got a few minutes before we need to go to a break. Before we get into another article, I've got to ask... I got a Second Amendment question for you. So I was on my way down here today, and my brother posted a one of little sandwich boards outside of some gym, I'm guessing, and it said, the perfect 2020 hobby. 
you wear a mask, you've got gloves on, and if someone gets within six feet of you, you get to stab them. Come try our fencing club. Are swords covered by the Second Amendment? Can I open carry a sword walking down the street? Oh, yeah, you can, but it has nothing to do with the Second Amendment. Okay. I wasn't sure if that was considered armament or if the Second Amendment is specific to firearms. The, the, you have, I'm not a constitutional scholar. But Since when? Did they take that away from <laughs> well, you? Well, you know, the other day. But um, right now I'm an infectious disease expert. Oh, okay. <laughs> Haven't you read my Facebook post? That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I can't spend all my time doing both. But, you know, knives, swords, things like that are kind of under a category that's odd because they're not necessarily... Um, in the ranking of guns, if you shoot if you shoot somebody, it's different than if you stab somebody. Right. And I'll, even though arguably, I would much rather be shot than stabbed. Yeah, it, you're going to die a lot quicker if that's the ultimate end game. Well, not only that, you're more likely to have you'll have less damage from yeah, a yeah. shot than you will from stabbing because most bullets are going to go through. Well, you. and stabbing is so personal, and so you know, I, I feel like. I feel like it's possible to get... Stabbing victim driving by right now. I feel like it's possible to get shot by accident. Right. The the ERs, that guy that just drove by, are full of people sure. that get shot by accident. I feel like you don't get stabbed with a sword by accident. No, you got to want it. But, <laughs> yeah. but they've ruined fencing. Because of the electronics? Well, no, just because, you know, fencing, you know, this is, Corolla makes this point all the time, so okay. I, I want to give him credit, but he's right. They went chain link instead of wicket. Right. And it just, watching Mexicans put up a fence would be much more entertaining than watching fencing in the Olympics. I find Olympic fencing to be very fun to watch. It's But it's two guys in beekeeper seats trying to poke each other with a set of crochet needles. Now, if you, so you're referring to the epi. Which E P E E is that's the traditional sword uh, for for Olympic fencing. Um, they also have fencing in other categories, though. Do they have claymores? They they don't have claymores, well, but they okay, have. If they ra- ain't got claymores. I'm out. But they have rapiers, and okay. they have. Um, but okay, you'll have to show me a picture of a fencing rapier because I bet it has nothing to do with what no, I'm thinking. No, it looks very similar to what you're thinking of: three musketeers and the no, flexible blade. Yeah, see that, that that's the knitting the fl- needles, the non-flexible blade. See, when I think rapier, I think that the opponents both swing in on a rope with it between their teeth. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> land that in really the ring. Should. I think. See, you know the the. Olympics had to get canceled this year, right? They had to postpone them till some future date. I think the way we get people back vested is we take the the classic, you know, the Greco-Roman wrestling. We make we put them in a pit of sand naked again. You know, the equestrian events, you've got them actually chasing down a stagecoach. You know, with the fencing, yeah, you've got to swing in on a wire and you've got to land on top of a round wagon wheel table. Exactly. While some guy in the corner, ding, 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 ding. Well, and everybody's using their their native country's form of sword. See, that I would absolutely love to see. It would be like MMA meets fencing. So you've got the katana versus the claymore. Right. Yeah, you could really see because Claymore's deceptively agile weapon. To be as large as they are, they're deceptively it's agile. It's all to do with balance. Yeah. A, the, a true swords maker, and, and I know a guy, I know a couple of really, really talented knife makers, and they say about swords that you take, you know, five times the metal 
but increase the challenge by about 500 times. Right, because you're folding it, and there's you're, the density, and there's all of the and, different and it, things. And it really comes down to balance. If you ever watch Forge and Fire, which I know you do, that's one of the things they talk about when they get to those long weapons, is it has to move easily in the hand. Yeah, yeah, it has to have... It's the weighting and the pommel and how all that works, but... I don't know, just the fencing thing. Now, if you wanted to carry a sword openly, I'm sure somebody might find a fence to that. But I think you could get away with a bowie knife. Yeah, but that's that's not what I'm going for. I, I want someone gets a little too close to me. On oh, God! Okay. Well, you're <laughs> to each their own. And uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be less um, effective while you're wearing the beekeeper suit. There's going to be less people actually worried well, about that. The, the, the beekeeper suit, much like the mask, or, or unlike the mask, protects you from other people, not them from you. So if I'm the only one with the sword, I don't need the beekeeper suit. They're the Everybody else should be walking around with a beekeeper suit on. Unless they have a gun. Well, <laughs> In which event you've bought a sword to a gunfight. <laughs> Although, that old bit's going to look a lot better than bringing a knife to a gunfight, isn't it? It, it will, if it... <laughs> He had a claymore, and they shot him. He knocked the first two bullets out of the air. I mean, there, there could be a lot better there, but let's step away for a break since we've gotten too far into the weeds of fencing. When we come back, I want to talk about Cigar Aficionado's 2020 Cigar Retailer Survey. All right, and you have, you have shown me this article. Uh, I saw it a few days ago, but you haven't prepped me for your analysis here, so I'm really interested to get into well, this. Had you opened the document and actually read the commentary, you would be fully prepped. But you, know, you try and set something up for the break, and it just falls. <laughs> I, I guess that's my fault for not letting you know what I was trying. I was trying to build some something into this, but okay, fine. Well, we're going to take a break, catch a cigar under eight. We'll be back with more after this. here with this week's Cigar Under 8. This week, I want to talk about one of our wedding cigars. Yeah, this is a, this has been a favorite of mine since it came out, and you don't find it in every cigar shop that carries the line. It's the Roma Craft Intemperance, and all. the wrapper is in Ecuadorian Connecticut, the, the Nicaraguan-made, Binders Indonesian, the fillers, Dominican Nicaragua. A lot going on in this cigar. A lot going on in the cigar. You know, this is the Connecticut version. They do a Maduro as well. I have smoked every size that this is available in, in each of the two wrappers, and I've got to say, I have not had a bad experience once. I absolutely love this cigar. Is this by far the most cost-effective of the Romeo line? Or the, not Romeo, Roma Craft line? Um, no, it is slightly more, so they came out with the Whiskey Rebellion, the Intemperance okay. Whiskey Rebellion, which is slightly about half a dollar to a dollar a stick cheaper. But, and, and I honestly don't notice much of a difference, uh, but yes, outside of that, which I think was a special release, so yeah. Well, these, you know, they come in small sizes. They're not big cigars. Um, even the uh, Bellicoso. The Breach of the Peace, I think that one's called. This, this is one of those, the, the only bad mark on them for it is the fact that they name their sizes. Yeah. But just an outstanding cigar. Until next week, try the Roma Craft Intemperance. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane. 
Sitting across from a man with the ability to talk to people, not at them. And I envy that in you, Mr. Trey Dedman. That actually means a lot to me. Well, it's something I struggle with. That is a, believe it or not, especially when it comes to my chosen profession, I struggle with being sure I'm talking to people, not at them. Because I have a lot of knowledge about houses and plans and all that. And it's, when that starts spewing out at a certain point, I say, okay, I'm, I'm now talking at them, not to them. Uh, you know, it's funny because when you get me into a, a professional situation, you and I, we have done some professional things together, but very rarely. And, and we try and keep business and, and personal enjoyment separate as much as possible. It's what leads to us still doing a, a podcast three and a half years ago later. Um, <laughs> We're about to be attacked by crows. Yeah, we are. Um, when I get into like a, a sales pitch, for lack of a better term, when I'm, yeah, it's it's one of those things that is really tough. I think that's one of the that's it's a hard thing, and you got to be. I have to be really cognizant about it, not to do that, and especially be, when it's something that I get excited about. But your personality doesn't lend to that as much as mine does. Sure, and that's, I will give that's you a that. blessing. Oh, you, yeah, your personality does not tend to to slide that way quite as much as mine does. Yeah, I will give you that. And all, but speaking of talking at people instead of to them, I want to talk about the 2020 cigar retailer survey that Cigars Aficionado has done. All right. So every year they do this list. Every year we cover this list. The hottest cigar brands in America. Now, these the way they compile this list is they get in touch with retailers all over the country. And they talk to them about what sells and what's the hottest brands and all this stuff. Number one, Padron, which surprises no one. Now, this no. I'm, I'm going to talk about the um, brands requested most often by customer, the hottest cigar brands. And then there's another list about the best-selling brands. Yeah, and we'll talk... We'll get to that in a second. But it's, it's pretty much what you'd expect, except for there's Padron, and then there's Fuente, and then there's Fuente, Fuente, Opus X. Yeah, I, you know, and this is, this, this is listed out in this exact same order in a separate article not related to this. I get it. The Opus is something unique and special, but it's a Fuente. But is it that unique and special anymore? Not, not it seems anymore. like every week there's a new opus coming through this shop. It does, but I can say I understand why they're saying, okay, like we've got a bunch of people that come in looking for the short stories and the Hemingways and asking for Fuente, and then we've got people that come in specifically say, I want opus. Those are usually going to be a different customer. Yeah, yeah. It usually re- represents a different type customer, especially personality-wise. But... It's still a Fuente. Right. They're still the same company. You know, especially because I know what your big issue with, with this list is. And if you look at number four, that should have factored into it. Well, number four is the Liga Privada. And I'll, most requested by... Now, I give them a lot of lenience in the most requested by customer mm-hmm. because that is a subjective ranking. Mm-hmm. There's really no way to do a clear... Um, unbiased ranking of that. And rounding out the list is Dominica, Patel, Davidoff, so forth and so on and all. But it's the next list that I take my issue with. Best-selling cigar brands. They have Fuente tied with Padron. Now, this should be this should be a very easy list. Yeah. This should be set in stone. This should not be subjective at all. This should be a very Show easy list. Show me your W-2s. Yeah, this should not be hard. Um... And I can even 
sign off on Fuente and Padron being tied because of price point. Yeah, those are the same customer. Yeah, and if you, um, you know, your Fuentes have a lot of low-cost options, which probably bumps them up in this particular ranking, as opposed to your Padrones, which really, other than the the 1000 series, don't have Well, that. they've got a much smaller portfolio to begin with, you know, and I think that, so it, it if anything, I, th- I think I, I take exception with the fact that even though they're tied, they put Fuente first because Padron is doing more with less. Oh, definitely. Padron definitely has a... It definitely is representative Padron is the better cigar that they're hanging with Fuente. Yeah. Considering their catalog. Number three, Perdomo. I can understand that, the common man cigar. I do too. And it's, you know, Nashville is not a very Perdomo-friendly uh, city, which we talk about many times on the show before other parts of the world especially texas and atlanta um, it does very 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 well but i can't see a world where romeo and juliet and rocky patel beat drew estate i don't either that's so part of me wonder let's say let's say for example you own a cigar shop aficionado or cigar insiders who actually did the the survey let's say cigar insider calls you up and they say hey we're doing our, our retailer survey this year. Send us your your top five sure. selling cigars. Okay. And it just so happens that I'm, I'm going to use this as an example. Let's say you got really offended by what happened with Kaizad and Gurkha recently. Sure. Um, or, or maybe even Rocky Patel, whichever, whichever way. But let's let's say something whichever happened. Whichever way you lead politically. Whichever. So let's say um, something like that happens, and so you know you sell more Rocky or more Gurkha than anything else. As much as you try and get your people not to, that's just what your clientele likes. And because you're a good shop owner, you're going to carry what sells, not what you want to smoke. Right. But you're so mad at them right now, and you go, "Yeah, they're my best selling by a long shot." But I don't want to give them the press right now, so right. I'm going to lie. Now, it just so happens that Drew Estate is not in that position, but that's one scenario in which I can think of something. Maybe your rep made you angry. Maybe the you know they keep back-ordering your stuff, and you don't want to support and help them get more. There's got to be a reason why Drew Estate didn't make this list. Well, of Because I don't believe it's numbers. Yeah, of the top ten, which, you know... Fuente, Padron, Perdomo, Romeo, Rocky, Davidoff, My Father, Oliva, Macanudo, Ashton. Especially Macanudo and Ashton. Right. You can't tell me there might be an alternative universe in which Davidoff outsells Drew Estate, but I don't think there is. There might be an event where Rocky Patel has more low-cost options. Yeah. But you can't tell me Macanudo is outselling Drew Estate cigars. I refuse to believe it. Um you know, yeah, Davidoff, I can kind of... Oliva is sort of on the fence for me because they're, they do have a lot of lo- low-cost options, and I know a lot of guys who are Oliva purists. That's all they smoke. Because you can have a pretty wide palette without ever leaving the Oliva catalog. I, so I could kind of maybe see that, but definitely not Macanudo and Ashton. Well, so... Here's my question. What's the upside to not putting Drew Estate on this list? Because anybody that knows cigars, that to me makes the validity of the list less. Are, are we being the... Are we... I mean, just, just for fair, fair and balance here. 
are we the ones that are being a little nearsighted on this because we are fans of Drew Estate? I mean, you more so than I am. But I, I know what kind of business they do in a lot of shops. And, you know, obviously they separated in this previous list Liga Pravada from Drew Estate. So I'm wondering if they did the same, where they separated and they cut Drew Estate's numbers in half. Well, not quite half, but they cut 30%, 25%? Still can't be. I still don't think that it's, it still don't make sense to me that that's what they're saying. And I'll, you know, because I'll ask you the question I would ask anybody that wants to support this list. Okay, so Rocky Patel is number five on the list. Would you rather sell for Rocky Patel or would you rather be a Drew Estate rep? Which do you think would be more beneficial? Uh, that's actually that for me. That's a coin flip. Not not putting just just thinking of of brand representation in a humidor. Not thinking about culture. Not thinking about because I'm not a Drew Estate rep. Anyone right. who's seen a picture of me knows I'm not a Drew Estate rep. Um, so taking all of that out, to, I would venture to say it's probably a coin flip. The number of guys that walk into a humidor and say, do you have Drew Estate and do you have Rocky, in my experience, are pretty close. But Drew Estate runs the gamut better than anybody. Absolutely. You know, with between the legal lines, between the undercrown lines, between the Hoya stuff, between, you know... The flavored stuff they do. Drew Estate has a cigar for every palate, and I'm I'm wondering if this because you'll notice you'll notice General's not on here, right? Macanudo mm-hmm. is. Um, I wonder if they're looking at Hoya de Nicaragua as its own brand, as Liga Pravada as its own brand. Uh, you know, I wonder if they separated them out and cut their knees out from under them. I don't know. It's interesting, but I I, I would because what does Drew Estate uh, release under the Drew Estate label specifically the the KFC, like the Muat line, and the Acids. Right, the Muat, the Acids, and the Underground stuff. The, uh, the Underground, underground stuff. Thank you. I knew I was missing something. I couldn't. And the Underground stuff's big sales. It, it is. I mean, the Underground stuff just flat moves. You know, also on this, you know, La Aurora is absent from this list. Mm-hmm. La Aurora is not as big as some of these other companies, but I would I would definitely say La Aurora would outsell Macanudo and Ashton. I would like to think so because it does here, but you know, we're also looking at the the national landscape and as we've talked about before, there are very big differences between, you know, regional palettes regionally, you know. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm I'm just I call this list into question. I'm starting to think this list may be like the top twenty five cigars. It may be um, colored by who purchased the most advertising and aficionado. You know, I would be you know, I would be fairly quick to defend that point if it weren't from Cigar Insider. I mean you know, it's being published by Aficionado, but it, it, the, it was done by Insider, and they're not known to have that reputation. Now, they may, and we just don't realize it, but they're not known for that. So let me talk about the Mombacho, or the El Baracho. Not Mombacho, El, El Baracho. You're married. Um, it's not giving me a lot. Okay. It's not bad, but it's not giving me a reason to want to go buy another one. You know, it's just not giving me that I, I can't wait to go purchase another one of these particular sticks. And also, I'm just not, um, I, 
I hesitate to say it's bad because it's not. Right. But I hesitate to say it's good. It's just kind of there. It's just yeah. I don't I don't understand the appeal. They must. So the retail retailers we know that have them are big fans of them, so they must have a good marketing department. Well, or it could be that you know the couple of people that we know like them just happen to have that palate that that hits you know because you and I have very similar palates until we don't, right? And then and then we'll have a cigar that you love and I think is an absolute dog turd, and vice versa. You know, so it could just be that this is one of those scenarios where those guys happen to agree on this type of palate feel and flavor profile that it just doesn't. I, I think, I think it's a five and a quarter. I'll reserve my rating to the end because I'm, I'm about I'm about halfway yeah. through it. But so I say that to say I don't think it's great, but yeah, you know, sometimes for a breakfast cigar, I want a five and a quarter. Yeah, but I, I kind of like something in the mornings that has a little complexity. I do too, but I also get a lot of complexity from my coffee. So I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go full jazz symphony on it. I can understand that. <laughs> can I can get... understand, you know, if you're having a heavier drink, yeah. you probably would have a lighter cigar. It would probably lend itself a little bit more. And not even so much from a strength, but from flavors. Like you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to be watching... Yeah, so, some days I enjoy putting on Dark Side of the Moon and watching Wizard of Oz, but that does—that's not every movie, if that makes sense. Well, the thing is, I can retro I doesn't. I can retro hill this cigar and get nothing, get no no stinging, none of the none of the hallmarks of a retro hill. Okay, it just kind of pushes through. It's it started out very Cuban, but it seems to be getting milder rather than actually any more prevalent. How's the Padron treating you? Oh, it's great. I've got a. Uh, I'll I'll reserve. I'll reserve my rating for the end of the show, but I think it's pretty well a foregone conclusion. It's kind of hard to hurt that. Yeah, <laughs> but but I am but I am thinking about it, and, and we'll we'll talk about it when it gets a little closer. I I love this cigar, and and obviously this is a scenario when when this came out of a special box right at a special event, and and even though we're not at that event anymore, there's still some. Something there, playing some, into yeah. this particular smoking of this cigar. There's still an emotional attachment. Right. You know, when I smoke for a me, Don there Gonzalez, always is with a, with a Padron. Yeah, well, a Padron is a celebration. It's a special yeah. event. So, let's cover this article from the San Antonio Express. I was News. hoping you were going to go here first. Yeah, I wanted to go to this from Yeti cup handles to cigar cutter cases, handmade leather goods made in around San Antonio. So this gentleman, Francisco Figueroa, crafted custom leather guitar straps. But is there anything cooler than leather work? No. No. In fact, the, the thing that has kept me from that as a hobby is the barrier to entry, the cost, the cost to entry. Because leather is expensive. Yeah, leather is expensive. If you, you have to have, to do the scribing and all that, you have to have a lot of talent and a lot of patience. Mm. And all, and the and here's the thing, you know, you made this point before the show. I don't want to steal your thunder. Go for it. But usually, handcrafted leather goods. You know, my Peter James case that my wife got me for my birthday. It's a four hundred dollar case. Yeah. And all, it's worth every penny. I mm-hmm. love it. It'll last me the rest of my life. But it is that's it. That's a that's a big yeah. big ticket to swallow. But you look at the quality, and you you know, it's the you know. If you want to measure a man, 
which I don't necessarily agree in doing all the times, but sometimes it's necessary. Don't look at the clothes he's wearing. Look at his watch, which is less now because so few people wear watches. So the fact that he has a watch is is kind of one thing. But we also, you, know, you and I both wear Apple watches, so it kind right. of it kind the of smart watches kind of hurt the watch hurt industry. The watch. Yeah, but you look at his watch, you look at his belt, and you look at his shoes. And there is a scenario in which all of those three things will have a component of handcrafted leather in it. And that's, to me, you know, I can go to TJ Maxx and I can buy a belt for $12. Or I can go and get a designer belt that was handcrafted and I'm going to spend $250 on it. They're both going to hold my pants up, but they're both going to tell a very different story. They do. They tell a different story. And, you know, leather work is such a... It's such a niche item. Mm-hmm. You know, the guys that are good at it are good at it. Yeah. And all. And in the day, you know, when I retire and am not working every day, I would love to get into it and probably will. I, I would too. And I also, th- the thing I love about leather work as well is there is so much room for artistic expression. You know, you've got the Southwestern style, which is very ornate. And then you've got the Italian style, which is very sleek and very, you know, and then you've get, you get, you know, other regions have their kind of specific dye styles and, and, and things. And I think it's so interesting to see if someone is going to be of the caliber of buying a handcraft, handcrafted pair of leather shoes to see the little nuances that they choose because <coughs> it's going to make a difference in what, in the, image they're trying to project so kind of tan- tangented a little bit there but yeah i've got to say f- that being said this guy's making um you know uh coffee cup or yeti cup handles in the 60 dollar range which when you consider handcrafted leather and the amount that goes into that you know they've got he's also got a uh a, a zycar xi1 cutter sheath which i am very much in the need for 25 to 45 bucks very reasonable for a handcrafted you know, album very reasonable so you're looking at the website you're looking at on this one is the um the first gentleman they mentioned francisco and it is at and i'm scrolling down please excuse me bexar b-e-x-a-r goods.com the one I'm looking at, I like the ones by Badger Claw. Yes. So the little belt patches. One of my great joys in wearing my kilt when I play golf is the sporing. Yeah. I love the sporing because I can keep my tees, I can keep my balls, I can keep all of those things there in that. And it's very... <laughs> you giggled and the guy over a table over had to giggle when I talked about my, putting my balls in the sporing. Um, you're wearing it inside out if you're doing that. Oh, am I? <laughs> it goes outside the kilt, <laughs> it not inside? goes outside the kilt. Okay, well. But they make a beautiful, if you click over to badgerclawoutfitters.com and look at the shell carrier that they have on the end of this Winchester 1894, that is beautiful. Oh, that is that, that is stunning. You know, I'm wildly my prize 3030 needs one of those immediately. That's definitely, and it's 68.95. Not a bad price. No. But here's the question. If I wear one of the cartridge belts, one of the pouches on my side when I play golf, is it fanny pack or Batman utility belt? I th- 
Oh, it depends on the quality. I think this kind of goes back to what type of image is the man who would wear something like this trying to project. And I think, I think you'll get more uh, 19th century fur trapper vibes. Okay. Well, the coonskin cap helps. Well, yeah. But, you know, I would love to have one of these pouches to put on my side when I play golf. Because there's where all my tees, there's where all my golf balls sit. There's where all of my, my divot tool, where everything sits where I can just reach in my pouch and grab it. Yeah. I definitely think, uh, you think I can get away with that on the golf course? You I, think I can I, pull that off? I think so, too. And at $50, it's worth it uh, to, oh, to yeah. take a gamble. Yeah, at 50 bucks, I would definitely, you know, I definitely think it's worth it. And, uh, and they, he has a just a plethora of goods, but just high-quality leather goods. E- everyday carry is one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. And I'll, um, it's just one of those things. Everybody should take a little time and think about their EDC gear. What is your standard EDC gear that you carry every day? Uh, was that rhetorical or are you asking? I'm asking. Um, so my cutter and lighter go with me every day. Um, and, and we've talked about my specific choices for that cutter and lighter, and, and, and that's, that's a very personal choice that I make. Sure. Um, the other thing is I've got a I've got a – it's funny because I've got a mechanical pencil that I wear on my shirt every day. I'm not wearing it today because I'm in a T-shirt. Sure. But, um, and it looks like an ink pen. It's all metal body, full metal construction. It's heavy, anodized aluminum. And I like a writing utensil that has a little bit of weight. And also have an ink pen that actually is, looks like a pencil. It's hexagonal and yellow. You've seen it. Um, so your pencil looks like a pen. Exactly. And your pen looks, you just make your life hard for no uh, reason I, whatsoever, well, don't you? So what's funny about that is the pen itself I thought was a pencil. I uh, thought that was a pencil when I bought it or when I added it to my Amazon wish list and eventually it came out. Anyway, um, so... So I was a little disappointed, and so I, I started looking for a an all-metal construction, heavyweight, small, you know, 0.5-millimeter lead, um, and I love both of them. I don't carry a knife anymore. You quit carrying a knife? I quit carrying a knife. What is wrong with you? You're you switching it out for a sword in case well, you need to I, open exactly. a box? Well, the knife I was carrying, that, um, that Gerber that I liked, it was very lightweight. It was a skeleton frame, mm-hmm. and I really enjoyed it. I lost it somewhere. And which I know is something that you can't even wrap your head around. No, I can't imagine. Um, so the I've got my Opinil, which doesn't fit in because it's a round walnut handle, so it doesn't fit in my pocket very well. Or I've got the one that came out of the Drew Estate thing, which is a bit heavy for my particular taste. Yeah, the Drew Estate, the Liga Provada knife that came in the survival kit is a nice knife, but it's a little heavy for an everyday carry. Now. Yeah. Granted, I carry, you know, the, the buck extract is my knife and all because it has wire pliers on it. It has scissors. It has a blade. It has everything like it that. It would go well in your pouch. Speaking of judging a man, I judge a man by how sharp the knife he hands oh, absolutely. me is. absolutely. If he hands me a dull knife, I, I immediately think less of him. Although I will say that for me speaks more in the kitchen than it does from an EDC standpoint. Yeah. My, yeah. my kitchen knives... Well, circumcise a gnat, as you would say. Uh, I keep those things razor sharp because, and it applies to pocket knives too, you are far more likely to cut yourself with a dull knife than a sharp one. Oh, yeah. And I carry a Gerber shard. It stays on my keychain. It's just a little crowbar. Has a screwdriver on it, but it's just a little piece of metal that is just perfect. You don't want to realize how many times in your life a two-inch crowbar helps. Yeah. 
and all. Just being able when you're prying something out, even if you're just pulling a staple, you'd be amazed. Imagine trying to use your fingernails to pry something open, but knowing that your fingernail wouldn't bend backwards and hurt if if it requires a little bit more force. Because that's all you're really doing. You just need that extra little bit of rigidity and leverage. But I do think I am going to order one of these Badger Outfitter patches, Badger Claw Outfitters. I think I'm going to pick up one of those XI2 cutter, or XI1 cutter sheaths. Well, and it just, it what it does is it gives you that extra pouch. I think I can pull it off on the golf course. I think you could too. I think it would be just fine. And also, just very interesting stuff. All right, let's rate our cigars. Um... I wish I liked the El Baracho better. Mm-hmm. I really do. I like the story. I like that everybody that does business with them enjoys that. I wish the cigar stood up a little better. I've got to give it a five and a half, mm-hmm. and that's being generous. Yeah. If I, I, I think I may have clouded your judgment on that a little well, bit. If I smoked it blind, I'd probably give it a five. Yeah. But, um, you know, the price is a little high for the cigar. The strength just really isn't there. The complexity's okay, but it's not amazing. Yeah. So I kind of got, got to give it a five and a half. All right. My Padron 1964 Exclusivo. 6.9. Why does it get a .0101 knockoff? Because it's not a 26. The Padron 26 is my favorite, and I just don't know if if I like the 26 more than the 64, can I give them both sevens? I believe you can. Because this, this Padron is perfect, but, it's also, but, but I also know there's a half a level or a tenth of a level more perfect out there. That's obviously not to say anything or negate the experience or, or the generosity of Austin providing these for the wedding. I, but I, yeah, I, I think I'm going to have to go 6.95. I can understand that. I can definitely understand. I understand your logic in that because most Padrones are a seven. Yeah, but I want to be, I want to be true to the purpose of the rating. True. And also I, I like that. So how do they get a hold of us, Trey? They can get a hold of us on facebook.com slash the cigarcast. We've got an email address, info at the cigarcast.com, and we're on Instagram and Twitter at the cigarcast. Well, thank you everybody for listening this week. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.